Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to the Gegen Pressing, the German football podcast for the Football Grad Network. I'm your host today, Matthew Marshall hosting in the hot seat with Bryce, still enjoying the married life and hell off doing some hell things. Plenty to talk about from match day seven. Let's have a quick run through the results. On Friday night, we saw Werder Bremen beat Wolfsburg 2-0. Hanover defeated Stuttgart 3-1. Borussia Dortmund in an exciting match defeated Augsburg 4-3. Dollar's draw between Mainz and Hertha. Fortuna Dusseldorf lost 2-0 at home against Schalke. Bayern Munich, the crisis is full on now with a 3-0 home defeat against Borussia Mönchengladbach. And on Sunday, we saw Freiburg and Bayer Leverkusen play out a goalless draw. Hoffenheim won at home against Eintracht Frankfurt, who came to town and won 2-1 there. And RB Leipzig, massive 6-0 victory here at home against Nuremberg. Oh, all right, let's get to it. I'm joined, as usual, by Manu Vett. Manu, Manu how's your October... Oktoberfest tour going. <laughs> yeah, That's it's a mouthful. Yeah, it is a mouthful. Um it has been a mouthful too, a mouthful of beer. So it's been it's been going really good. Um been enjoying being back home and watching a, a whole lot of games and I'm really excited to chat about them all. Okay, yeah, you've been going to see Bayern Munich while all this crisis has been going. We're not going to say you've cursed them. There's plenty no, no. of other Archie's, people out that's there. That's Archie's fault. We'll get to that Yeah, we'll, we'll leave the cursing <laughs> to some other people. Okay, and uh, Chris Williams is also here. Chris, how have you been? What's happening? Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. Just um, been watching the football. Not as lucky as you guys to be over in Germany. My time is coming in two weeks now, end of this international break. Um, oh, it's three weeks, isn't it? Dortmund play away at Stuttgart first. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back um, over to Germany as soon as the international break's finished. Fantastic stuff. Well, let's start with a Friday night fixture then, which saw Werder Bremen continue their impressive start to the season with a 2-0 victory against Wolfsburg. Chris, you did the match thoughts on this for footballstat.com. How did you see the match? Oh, well, it's um, it seems so, so long ago um, now, that game. But... Um, yeah, I thought the Werder Bremen were excellent, really. Um, I'm a little concerned for Wolfsburg. I think they started the season very, very well, didn't they? And I think, you know, we were only speaking a couple of weeks ago how things may have um, just turned a corner for them. Well, I, I headlined them as a familiar slump. Um, I was really impressed. I don't know where you guys obviously saw this match as well, but um, Davy Klassen now looks someone to be very settled at his club. Obviously, he was excellent whilst he was at Ajax. Didn't really settle at Everton, fell out with Ronald Koeman early on, I believe, um, and then Allardyce after it. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice to see him playing really good football. And then I think the headline for the whole game was um, Claudio Pizarro. I have mentioned before that I'm very disappointed in myself that with the same age and yet he can still play top level football and I could probably just about well I can't even catch a train if I run for it can we Manu we got stuck in Wolfsburg so it's probably enough said about that but for the, for the entire game um, I thought Bremen were excellent and maybe they should have won by a little bit more um, obviously the two goals were quite spread out midway through, well, towards the back end of the second half and right by the end of, um, sorry, the first half, right by the end of the second half. But um, I'm really impressed by what I've seen so far at Werder Bremen now. Um, I'm thinking that maybe 
they could potentially go all the way to Europe next season. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive stuff from Kofeld so far in charge. Manu, they are doing very well under him at home. How did you how did you see the game, and what's your thoughts on Werder Bremen? I am glad that they're doing so well because um, I, I thought that last year when they went into the season with Nuri um, as a coach that I wasn't very convinced with, and Werder Bremen were... A very big club in the 90s and 2000, Matt. And they were a team that regularly challenged Bayern for the title and won the title in, um, I think it was 2004, the last time they've won it. So this is a team that, that has a big history and tradition. And, um, Claudio Pizarro has been a, lo- a big part of this because, I mean, he's been around since 1999. Can you believe it? In the Bundesliga, it's been almost 20 years. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how they, under Kofeld last year, you could see signs of it that the club would stabilize. And then they um, went and bought a very big key piece in Davy Klaassen. Um, Werder always had a history of having number 10s, um, players that could dictate the pace, the speed of, of the game plan. And they didn't have that. I remember before, um, they historically, there's players like Miko, Andy Herzog, Mesut Özil's played a big part there, Diego for those who remember, and for about um, five, six years, they didn't really have a real number 10. And I think the, historically, that's always been something very important for Bremen. And I mean, Chris, you, you mentioned David Klaassen already. They put that player in, and he's been such a big difference maker for him. And then um, Claudio Bizarro, yeah, you mentioned we were running for the train. To be fair, you were you were on live radio while we were running for the train. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't want to be panting. <laughs> so, okay, um, aside, but he said in an interview that he feels fitter than ever before. I, I mean, that's absolutely remarkable because we thought, okay, he's going to come in there for maybe 30 minutes here and there, but he's playing a lot more, and he had two assists in this game. It's just incredible stuff. Yeah, Werder Bremen are really doing well. I um, I saw this game and I thought Wolfsburg without Camacho, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, might might struggle. And uh, Labadia brought in Tisserand here, but um, yeah, for sure Werder Bremen just losing that one game at, at Stuttgart a little while ago where they had a man sent off, but currently in fourth position, and we'll have to see how they do after the international break. Let's move on to Borussia Dortmund. Now they kept their unbeaten record under Lucien Favre alive with a tremendous 4-3 win against Augsburg to keep top spot in the league. They're three points clear of four teams, all on 14 points. Chris, you watched this one. How did you see this one? Tremendous game. Yeah, now this was a game of football. Um, Not so much a tweeted this. This is a fantastic game of football, unless you're a fan of defending. If you're a fan of defending, do not watch this game because there are seven instances on which you will cry. Um, and, and I'm going to be fair on that because the tackle um, that brings the free kick for the winner is a horrendous tackle to make that far out from goal. So um, take out the, the terrible defending from both sides um, and we probably wouldn't have had the same game. But let's look at what Dortmund have done the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they came back um, against Leverkusen. Once again, that was a game where, I mean, they pretty much looked dead and buried by half-time. Um, it was a different story against Augsburg. They looked very, very good early on, but were just unable to score, um, which is quite unlike a Lucien Favre side and, and more of an old-style Dortmund. Um, but they they bared with it. Even when they went behind, they were very, very patient. I think this is a standout feature of um, of the way Favre plays football. They won't be rushed into making a shot. Uh, they like to work the ball, now be that left to right, front to back, whatever, and they will wait for that opportune moment. Um, I do worry a little bit defensively, though, and um, Lucien Favre said that in his, poach, in his, poach, in his post-match comments. Um, he said he's got still got a lot of work to do defensively, and I will agree with that. But um, you get that feeling at the moment that if you score two, Dortmund will score three. If you um, if you score three, Dortmund will score four. So I think that is a lot to be taken um, into account if you're a Dortmund fan. Um, I think we've got to talk about um, Jaden Sancho because he's just a revelation at the moment. You could hear the audible difference when he was on the ball. Um, it's almost as if people, well, most people that are stood up on the, well, everyone stood up on the yellow wall, but on the sides of the ground, it's almost when he gets the ball, they almost seem to come off their seat by an inch because they're expecting and they're waiting to see what he can do with that. And, and he is 
exceptionally skillful. Um, and give Augsburg their credit, uh, they doubled up on him um, midway through the first half and that sort of stifled him a bit. And the only time um, when they didn't is after Paco Alcacer came on um, and, and then the two of them had plenty of fun. But, I mean, Sancho was impressive. There's one man that's impressed me even more um, and, and that's the signing from Barcelona. I didn't think he would have this sort of impact that he's had. Um, maybe he should have started this game. We can probably discuss that in great length. But Dortmund have a striker at the moment and that's something that they haven't really had um, since Aubameyang left. And also, for the last few months of Aubameyang's tenure, um, he, was, he wasn't really firing on all cylinders. So, I think for the first time in, what, eight, nine months, Dortmund have a striker, and, and I think this is crucial for the way they're playing at the moment. It's, um, yeah, Dortmund are looking... Sorry, man, I was just going to say, you were there on Wednesday. Yeah. How, how are Dortmund looking to you? Yeah, I, mean, I can only echo a lot of the things that, that Chris has said. Um, I I asked Lucien Favre a question about Jaden Sancho, and um, Lucien Favre is one of the most fascinating characters in in world football. I mean, this is a man who lives and breathes football um, and understands the game and articulates the game uh, in a way that is very unusual in German football or in general in football. And I asked him a very simple question about Jaden Sancho and he went off in a, about a 10-minute monologue at the press conference about um, how Satan Sancho has to learn a lot and then he went on and on and on about all the other young players and he basically detailed that all these young players who are still learning how to play the game that they're still trying, Dortmund are still trying to figure out how to put in all the, the right pieces together how they're still, I mean he's very unhappy for that in, in the Monaco game for example, they had to bring employers off the bench um, I mean, on one hand, you can say that's a strength that you can bring in players off the bench. It was the same against Augsburg, right? To bring in players on the bench and basically decide the games like that. Power of the bench is a big thing. It's, it's, a, they have a very deep squad, but at the same time, he's unhappy that he has to kind of do that. He would like to see things to go perfect. So it's really interesting to, to chat to him about it and to, to, to listen to him because he's always finishing every sentence when it comes to, the way Dortmund have played. And this was the same with this game, right? Chris, post-match, he said, we need time. Please give us time. Where This is not a finished product. I mean, it's so hard to to look at Dortmund, uh, a project that's still not finished because they're first in the league without giving away too much. And then listen to Favre, who was absolutely ecstatic. And you, you don't often see him ecstatic after games. Um, but then he has to always say, he has to almost kind of slow himself down and say, look, this is not a finished product and we need time. And it's kind of, I think that's probably the most difficult thing that Dortmund face at the moment because they, it, they seem almost unbeatable in a way, right? Because they're just going to bring on another piece of the bench. And they, as Chris said, if someone scores two against them, they will just score three. But at the same time, it's really hard to explain to a fan base, a very expecting fan base and everyone in Germany, look, we're in the middle of a project. This is the really early stages. We're not even anywhere near to where we want to be, which is probably pretty scary for the rest of the league. But that's, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, I think we can maybe put down the amount of goals they're conceding on such a young defense. And I think we need to keep this in perspective, just how young, you know, the likes of Akanji, Diallo, yeah. and, and now Hakimi and, and also uh, uh, Zagadou. It's incredible how young these guys are, but they're the hottest ticket in town right now, surely, Chris. Um, how far can, can Dortmund go? Can they can they win the league? Uh, it's a question everyone's asking, but can they sustain it for the entirety of the season? Well, that's a $64,000 question, isn't it? Um, and Manu's quite right. This is still a work um, a working project. So, you know, this is still something that has got the potential to go a little bit awry for a couple of weeks, um, while they're still working on things, but at the moment, the the front end of the side is is definitely firing all cylinders. And as you quite rightly said, there's a young back line. Um, you know, Berkey made the odd mistake over the weekend. Um, I think we can afford players who are young and maybe and Berkey himself, if he's got a defence in front of him that's still learning, that may put him on edge as a goalkeeper and may make um, him may make him make the odd mistake. Um, I'm going to hold off saying if they can win the league or not because 
I think I probably thought they could win the league last season um, when Bayern got off to a terrible start under um, Ancelotti, and then they just rang Jupp who came in, and 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 you know the problems were sorted out straight away. I don't quite think that telephone line um, is connected anymore, so we'll just hold off a little bit. But um, I mean, you've got to look at the way Dortmund are playing football at the moment then yes, you know, they should be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. I don't think it's good enough for Dortmund to finish second, you know, 10, 15 points behind Bayern or even third or fourth and say, OK, we got into the Champions League. They need to be knocking on the door of the Bundesliga title. And, and it's so far so good. But I wouldn't be surprised if they had a little slip in January, February, mm-hmm. maybe even with a run in a little slip, because this is a project. <clears throat> excuse me. This is a project. And, you know, that project could take two seasons. It could take three seasons to see fruition. So when it all goes really well in the first six, seven opening games, that's when I think people's ideas and um, excitement can run away with themselves. And, you know, they'll just get brought back down to earth with a bang when eventually they do get beat or eventually, you know, they get beat twice on the run or something. So I would urge caution. Um, and on the same token, if Dortmund do lose two, two games back to back, let's not, you know, let's not, try and, and avoid, well, let's not, hopefully we won't see that mass. They've lost two on the game, that's it, they're never going to win a title. It's all going wrong under Farber sort of thing. Um, but I think there's quite a lot of people scarred um, in Dortmund from the likes of Bosch and Stoger that if things do go bad, there may be a tendency to panic, which um, I don't think anyone should do under Lucien Favre. Uh, Chris, yeah. I'm happy you p- you picked out uh, Roman Burki because I, you know that I've been a big critic of his and I saw him play against Monaco and I thought they had a, they had bought a new keeper because, um, yeah, he, he still makes mistakes, but he's a lot better in his distribution and he's a lot better. Um, maybe it is because of the young players around him, but I thought it was a lot better in terms of when he came out, when he came out of his box and actually played the ball out of the back, it was a lot better, um, as a setup. And he seemed a lot more confident doing it. Of course, that more offensive style of goalkeeping um, will lead to mistakes. We see it with Manuel Neuer, right, at times. But I actually thought it's almost like they bought a new keeper. Um, I, I thought he's been very good in this opening stage of the season. Yeah, he has. He's, he's played very, very well. And I think what we have to be careful of is when a goalkeeper makes a mistake, and we've said this yeah. before, there's nothing behind them to bail them out. If your striker misses, you know, he's got 10 players behind him to bail them out before the opposition go and score. Um, but, you know, Berkey did make a mistake. I think it was it for the equalising goal, the third goal for mm-hmm. Augsburg, where he saves it and it does go underneath him. But if you compare him to um, Andreas Luther, who started for Augsburg, who is... Um, quite an old-school goalkeeper and doesn't like the ball at his feet and just boots it out either side. I think that's when you may have a bit of a problem. Um, and, but Berkey looks quite comfortable. He looks more assured. Um, he looks more confident. But I think if he does make a mistake, uh, it may be because yeah. he's got some youngsters to look after in front of him. I mean, he did make a couple of really good saves. Um, and, and maybe he just needed that. Maybe he just needs that ability to step up. He hasn't got. Um, he hasn't got older players in front of him now, or he hasn't got that that back four that he was used to. So the pressure isn't on him, and maybe he's he's thriving under that lack of pressure. But um, certainly, he definitely is a change keeper. But he just has it in him to make the odd mistake. Um, luckily, you know Dortmund won this game four three because I think we would have been talking about that. Um, was it 87th minute equaliser from um, Grigorich? Um, that really Berkey should be stopping and saving. Mm. Okay, well, we'll have to see what happens with Borussia Dortmund, but at the moment, it's looking very nice. The only remaining undefeated team in the Bundesliga, three points clear and a very healthy for and against. Okay, let's quickly quickly touch on Marco Royce. Uh, Marner, he's t- uh, been taken out of the German national team with a preemptive break to rest his knee. We've got Mark Utz coming into the side. We're not going to give a huge amount of time on the uh, on the German national team as they play a couple of games in the uh, sorry, a couple of games in the UEFA Nations League. You want to quickly talk talk, talk on Royce and the squad? Yeah, I've seen a lot of BVB fan tweets that um, I mean Royce is such a key player for them. I think he's the most important player in the squad. There's been a lot of lauded for. Sancho, but Royce has been absolutely amazing. I mean, in the game against Monaco, he 
what he did in the second half was incredible stuff. You, you only really recognize it when you see him play live. So he's very, very important for the side. Uh, but people forget that he tore his ACL um, in the cup final. Mm, I guess it's now almost 18 months ago. And um, it's 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 a serious injury. I had this injury myself. It's an injury that takes a long time to completely heal. And it's an injury that stays with you for life, right? So he came back from his ACL injury and basically played every single game ever since. I remember when he came back um, last year. He, he played, he hasn't sat out a single game. And I think his doctors basically told him, mm, this might be a good time for you to take a couple of weeks off and do some work on your knee. Because once you had an ACL injury like that, it's basically something that you have to work on for the rest of your life. You have to basically take care of it because it's not the original joint anymore, right? So I think what they've basically said to him, and this is what the message basically, the B4B message, um, the official Twitter account said, um, look, he's going to stay at home and do two weeks of work on that knee, take some rest, do some stabilization work, because these are the kind of things that you have to basically do from now till as long as you do any kind of sporting activity. So I don't think anyone really needs to worry. And I think this is probably the best time for him to take a breather because Germany are going to play two UEFA Nations League games that if you really think about are not that important. And both Germany and Dortmund need Marco Reus healthy at the moment. Yeah, that's for sure. He's definitely uh, so integral to everything that uh, Borussia Dortmund do. Okay, let's move on to another important fixture here. The top spiel as Bayern Munich lost 3-0 at home against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Unbelievable result. Manu, you were there, and this follows their 1-1 draw against Augsburg. Of course, that 2-0 loss... In, uh, in Berlin against Hertha and the 1-1 draw against Ajax in the Champions League. What's going wrong here with, uh, with, with the mighty FC Bayern? Uh, yeah, what's going wrong? Um, that's a very good question, Matt. I think this is something that I've seen. I said this in the post-game Ajax video that I put on Twitter. I feel like I've watched this very same game a couple months ago when I was at the World Cup in Russia and I watched Germany play against South Korea. I felt like it was almost a copy. Um, the Bayern started very well and then had, of course, the goal. And then when Ajax equalized, it was almost like a repetitive motion. Pass, play the ball forward, try to to die, to, to stretch Ajax's defense and... Um, it was very predictable. It was the sort of thing that Bayern have done for now six years, but in some ways, the predictability mattered this time because in the last six years, they were faster, they were stronger, they were more physical than everyone else in the league, right? They had the better, better players, they had depth of the bench, and so everyone knew what they were going to do, but you couldn't stop it. I mean, Iron Robin is a good example. Iron Robin is defined by one move that he has done over and over and over again, but you couldn't stop it. Ajax stopped him several times. And then I watched that very same game against Gladbach. I mean, Bayern had 72% ball possession in this match. And it was this repetitive passing. They had chances, but it wasn't really big chances. And Gladbach scored on three shots on goal. Um, I mean, that's, that's a remarkable statistic. But Gladbach seemed more dangerous going forward because when they won the ball, it was click, 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 boom. Every time. It was a quick forward, straightforward play. And... I feel almost, um, and I said this, remember Chris, we had this conversation after Bayern was defeated at the DFB Pokal final against Eintracht Frankfurt. I'm like, this is the way that teams can beat Bayern. Um, because Frankfurt did the very same thing to Bayern in the final. And I said, this game might potentially change the way, the way German football is going forward because all of a sudden there's a vulnerability there. And I think that vulnerability is just because Bayern in a way, and I mean, we might be completely proven wrong in a couple of weeks when they come back. But I think at the moment, they just lack ideas and they lack the tempo and the strength to um, really break down oppositions. So it's almost the Germany-Spain phenomena. That's what I called it in the video. And it's I think that's really the very core. Um, it's an, a squad that is just kind of running out of ideas a little bit. I think... Oh, sorry, flying. What, what, what have you made of their, their slump? You mean me, Matt? The slump? So now I was just saying to Chris, I mean, they haven't scored in two games now. And it's been a, a rem remarkable turn considering they were winning every game with ease. What's, what's, what's going on with the slump in your opinion? 
Oh, well, I think maybe Manu's right, and they have been... No, I don't mean Kovac has been worked out. I mean, maybe the way um, to play against Bayern has been worked out. Because if you look at the players they've got, um, really, by rights, they should be winning. And now, is that down to the coach? Well, maybe a little bit. Your Heinkers is, is a different animal, but we've seen most of these players took a downturn under Ancelotti, and they came in and got the lift that they needed. And, and now maybe they're not playing... Um, as well as they could have done. But just look at who they had in that team. Sula, um, Hummels at the back. That's a good defensive partnership. Um, the midfield, I don't think Leon Gretzka has settled particularly well. Um, and why is there a bit of a slump? Well, I think Robert um, Lewandowski up front is looking like a striker out of form. I think it might just be bad luck for Bayern that at one time they've got a number of players who are playing um, maybe below what they're used to playing. And, you know, they're getting a little bit older. Um, and everything must come to an end. Every good thing must come to an end. Bayern have won the last six league titles back to back. They can't go on forever. You know, they can't win seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. At some point, football will change. Football goes in cycles. And Bayern have been the top of the tree for a very long cycle and maybe that cycle is changing now and it's time for somebody else to take the mantra and and maybe have their own cycle or a couple of other clubs fight that cycle out Um, and Bayern might just have to be one of those other clubs now that that fights for the title instead of just walking it for the past few seasons. Um, They had an exceptional time under Heigas and then Guardiola um, and then it went off just a little bit really if we're going to you know be be honest about Bayern. Um, and maybe it's just time now for them to just accept what comes to most other clubs in the world is that occasionally you're going to be poor for a couple of seasons, um, which is going to be very interesting. But you know, I'll urge you again, we're not even at match day 10 yet. So if buying a fifth or, you know, maybe the sixth or even seventh, um, let's see where they are come May before we go. Are they in a full on slump? Yeah. Hey, yeah, I I think Chris, you're quite right. It is early, but it feels it feels similar to what we saw last year, but in a way worse. Because um, who are they going to bring in to fix this, right? And also, I think they made a couple of mistakes on the on the transfer market. Um, they have a very thin squad. They have only have 23 players in their squad, and I think selling someone like Arturo Vidal, for example, was a mistake. You know, a real character player, the, the players that they have all in right now, they're all very much, very much too nice and are very much also involved with their own businesses. You know, Mats Hummels is doing his own thing. James Rodriguez is kind of unhappy. Uh, Boateng and Hummels are not really talking. There's, there's been talk in Munich about Kovac not doing enough, um, the training. With the squad, the, the training sessions are too soft. I mean, we've heard that before, haven't we? Um, and then I look at the average squad age, which is 27.3. And that means they're the oldest team by far in this league. I mean, they are almost a year older on average than the second oldest team, which is Schalke, with an average age of 26.4. Those things are interesting. And I mean, we've talked about Bayern potentially making some big transfers next summer right because they will have to replace Robin and Ribery and I think we're very much at that point now I mean I watched Robin and Ribery and um, it clubs have found it very easy now to shut those two down and I think those are some some interesting pointers and you look at Kovac at the press conferences and he said um, he said that we're helpless um, at the moment, we're not helpless, but we're helpless, and we do. And this is the reality. This is this is an actual quote, and I think that's that's fascinating. And he's a very young coach, and he's dealing with a very different situation at the moment. And yes, you absolutely, I 100% agree with you. I mean, the thing could be completely different two weeks from now. They could they could go um, and face Wolfsburg and absolutely destroy them, right? And we'll be all saying, "Oh, look, there they are again." But it just there's a bit of a different feel at the moment. Yeah, it's certainly been incredible. I think their fixtures are quite helpful to them after the break, despite having to play four games on the road. They've got some pretty easy fixtures. You think they will walk through most of them to get them ready for the big game against Borussia Dortmund on the 10th of November. But yeah, currently six, but still early days and only a few points off uh, Dortmund. But reverse, if you're all talking, these are easy fixtures. 
imagine them dropping more points in any of those. Right? Then, you know, I mean, we, we've seen the picture today that Kovac and Romanege took Toberfest and prosting each other and, uh, it seems so staged. So, and I know that Kovac was, uh, Romanege's candidate. Hoeneß wanted someone else. Right? And those are mechanisms that are going on behind. Um, Hoeneß said midweek after the Monaco, after the Champions League game, if things go wrong, it's the, the coach's head on the line. That's an actual quote. So I, I, you were right. It's an easy run-in, but can you just imagine they drop another two points or three? I I personally uh, cannot see them dropping points uh, yeah. away from home at Wolfsburg, the way Wolfsburg are playing at the moment. Um, and then where are they next? At Mainz, who played okay. But again, that's the team really that Bayern should be steamrolling. And then the last one before um, they play Dortmund is at home against Freiburg. And that's you know, I'm on Matt's side on this. I think they couldn't have asked for three better fixtures before um, before the game against Dortmund, which obviously is away. So that'll add a little bit of extra spice to it for them. Um, I can quite happily see them picking up nine points out of nine there. No dramas. And now maybe when we chat at the end of match day 10, um, I might be able to, um, you know, eat a bit of humble pie, but I, I can't see them doing anything by picking up nine points there. I think this is where they will close the gap that's opening up around them is they'll get a nice set of fixtures like this. They'll take charge of those nice set of fixtures and then they'll build a bit of run, a bit of a run. And then we'll be going, who's going to challenge Bayern again for the title? Well, we, they will have to. Otherwise, you know, um, I, I agree with both of you. They, 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 on paper, they will have to win those three games. I'm just saying if they don't, well, then it's going to be, then it's going to be, uh, really interesting. Yeah, it's certainly setting it up nicely yeah. for that match in Dortmund, as I say, in, uh, in early November. What about, um, Gladbach? We have to give them some love here. They're currently third in the table, playing some pretty nice football under Dieter Hecking. Manu, you saw them uh, in in Munich. How impressed were you firsthand? Really impressed. Uh, really impressed. And I don't think we have to give them really credit because Dieter Hacking looked at the Bayern side, he dissected them, and he said, okay, these are the weaknesses. This is how we're going to hit them. And um, I thought it was really fantastic how that every time that they won the ball, you had the feeling something will happen um, because they were just able to really quickly play the ball forward. And... The fact that um, Hacking played Stindl in the center as a center forward and moved Alassane player out to the left really seemed to cause havoc in Bayern's backline because it allowed Stindl is very good at holding the ball and it almost allowed player to play around him, right? And I thought that that seemed to be something that Bayern just couldn't deal with. So that was a very good tactical masterstroke, but they were really good defensively as well. They made no mistakes. And just that quick transition game, it was just speed. There was so much speed in that side. Um, I was, I was very impressed by Gladbach. And I think they deserve all the credit for the way they played and for the way Dieter Hacking put out this match plan and said, these are the ways that we can hit Bayern. And they executed them perfectly. They made no mistakes and they scored on their three chances. They had a hundred percent scoring rate on the three shots and goals. That's how you beat Bayern in Munich, and they did it. Yeah, they're certainly a very talented squad, and, and player has made them even stronger. Neuhaus coming back also. You know, we've got Jonas Hoffman in, in very consistent form. Nico Alvedi now has moved into central defence, as we suggested, and, and Lung is, is back in right back. So if they can keep up some form, we all know they've got the, the talent in the squad to, to get back into Europe. And um, it's just a matter of putting it together on a consistent basis. But no reason why they can't get up and, and stay around that top four position. Let's move on to another one of the fixtures on Saturday. Hanover got a very important victory here. 3-1 home victory against Stuttgart. Amazing. Bobby Woods back and two goals. Basically identical goals. Headers. Uh, unbelievable stuff. Man of the match performance. Manu, this was a massive three points for Hanover. And if you want to get into what happened, the reper- repercussions for Stuttgart here, please go ahead. 
<laughs> oh, I think this is more of a topic for you, Matt, because we've been discussing Corkut for quite some time. I'm off the pot. Um, well, who saw this coming? I don't know. But. No, you did, but that's okay. Uh, good for you. You got it. You, I th I thought that he would maybe last till February. That seems to be prime Stuttgart firing the head coach time. Um, I do want to say though that Stuttgart fired the head coach at least once a year. Um, come what may, Stuttgart will fire the head coach. Uh, if you are a Stuttgart coach, you are a dead man walking. Um, happened to Hannes Wolf, who was a very popular man last year. Remember him, Chris? One of the back, next up and coming head coaches in German football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they fired, fired him. Get yeah, get out. That's Stuttgart for you. So it's okay, Cork, Haifun. Um, it happened to a long list of coaches. Names like Trapattoni, Summer, uh, Armin Fee. They all, Ralf Rangnick, they all got the job in Stuttgart. It happens to every single one of them. So yeah. Um, Typhoon Korkut is gone. Matt, I think, um, rightfully so, right? Because they are last in the table. They lost to the one team that, I mean, I saw Hannover in, in Frankfurt and I think they're pretty much the worst team in the league that I've seen so far this season. And I, I, that includes Nuremberg. They are absolutely dreadful. And so good for Bobby Wood. We, I know we have a lot of American listeners. They'd be happy that he scored a couple, but, um, if you are Stuttgart and you have made massive investments over the last two seasons to become become a top six team again to lose against them is, is horrendous and so i think you should be chatting about Korkut because you saw this coming <laughs> well I, I will if you want i don't know i don't want to spend too too long on it to be honest i don't really take any joy on on anyone losing their job but you know this is the the business that that we're in chris i'll talk about it chris can i just ask you and your and, and how surprised you are by the timing of this news well the timing is um is a little bit of a shock to me because we're not that far into the season. Although maybe Stuttgart saw what happened to Cologne last season. Maybe that was a bit of a, um, maybe that was weighing on their mind why they made the decision so quickly. Um, I can only assume they've got someone lined up pretty quickly to come in. Um, there's a two week break. It's obviously being done with that reason. Um, you know, I don't think if there would have been no international break, I'm pretty sure he may have kept hold of his job for, um, maybe until the next one. Um, but I saw them play last season, um, at Cologne, at Cologne, and, and they were very, very good. And remember, Manu, we chatted after mm -hmm. that game and said, maybe he turned around the problems he had when he was at Leverkusen. He sorted himself back into a coach who knows how to get the best out of players and knows how to turn, um, teams around, knows how to turn score lines around. That particular game, they came from behind to win. Um, I think it was twice. Um, but this season, I've just seen the um, Koko who was at Leverkusen and was particularly poor. So I'm not surprised that he's gone. I'm a little bit surprised that it's come so soon. But then with the break in the way it is, we've now got a two-week break. I'm not really that surprised that it's the best time to do it. You want to get rid of a manager, do it now because you've got two weeks to get someone in, especially if you've been sounding them out in the background. I think the the Cohn example is a good one, Chris. Because we all seen what happened, um, with Köln hanging on to a coach who's done very well, right? And Korkut last year did very well for Stuttgart. So the, the hero bonus, um, is not maybe a good thing to hang on to the hero bonus for too long, right? Um, maybe it's best to, if you know things are not going the right way, make the cut now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the name Hasenhüttl has been mentioned a few times on this pod. Um, he's the first name that came up. Um, when Stuttgart fired the head coach, I, I think there's a few clubs sounding out Hasenhüttl at the moment, but, um, no surprise that he is the main candidate coming in to, to replace Korkut. Yeah, you'd have to think that they've got someone lined up and that's why they've made the move at this time. But we were chatting about this just yesterday and it was really difficult to see where Stuttgart's next win was going to come from. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I couldn't see it coming until next year. So. <laughs> That that's just not, not very good. <laughs> that's harsh, but uh, yeah, I, I well, know where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, okay. Home is against Dortmund. Away yeah. against Hoffenheim. Home against Frankfurt. Not going to win any of them on uh, on this form. But then they are looking at a really really important game away at Nuremberg, and and this is kind of a similar situation to the game they lost here against Hanover. And mm. obviously they just they they can't see it, any improvement here, but. Without repeating myself from, from a couple of weeks ago, 
you know, what he did last year was based on a very basic 4-4-2, yep. which, which worked well enough. And it's, it just hasn't worked at the beginning of this season. He's tried a few different things here. I'm not sure, you know, with all respect to Holger Badstuber, he's had a good career, but the injuries have just taken their toll. And, and we saw against Mainz that I just don't think he can this level anymore. Mm. Um, but another thing he's done here is that, you know, the club spent nine million on Pablo Mafio, young 21 year old right back from Manchester City. Okay. He didn't have a great debut. But look at Hamza Mendil, uh, you know, I think he sort of, what's happened with Mafio and, and, and Corkut going to Andres Beck, who's a good player, but he's 31. Yeah. You just spent nine million on a 21 year old. You're giving him one and a half games, two games, and now he's, 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 he's gone. So that's not really good from a club point of view. If you're investing, you know, nine, whatever million in a player for your club to give up on him after a couple of games, but there's a lot involved here, but basically, he just doesn't have enough tactical nous and, and ability, you know. I'm sure he'll get another job somewhere, maybe second division, but yeah, not surprised here at all. And a good win for Hanover gets them a little bit bit of breathing space, but still in the relegation playoff position. Okay, let's talk about Hertha just quickly. They went to Mainz uh, and not the first team or the last that will draw in a, in a goalless draw at Mainz. I would have thought, but Chris. Hertha, we've talked about them quite a bit. You just want to surmise their the, the situation at the moment? Well, yeah, it's going to be disappointing from them because they've come off the back of um, a wonderful victory against Bayern and you would have hoped that would have been some sort of springboard for them. Um, and they have been playing a, a better style of football, um, but maybe it's just a bad day at the office for them, but you would be expecting them um, to go and beat Mainz in the form that they're in at the moment. And it's unfortunate for them because that nil-nil um, draw has, has dropped them out of the top four at the moment and they need, I don't think they'll finish top four, but they need to be keeping as tight a hold on that top four as they can um, and I just worry for Hertha Berlin because the past has shown that if they get into a little bit of a rut um, which starts with a nil-nil if they get beat the next game I'll, I'll quite fear for them a bit because I think they'll go on a tumble um, until <laughs> we get there to the Christmas time uh, and they go on a, on a winter pause. But, yeah, I, I'm disappointed for them that they drew this game because going and beating Bayern in the way they did and playing the type of football they did, I would have expected them to um, steamroller Mainz and, and make a stake for that top four. OK, yeah, Mainz is going to be a really tough place for a lot of teams to get points. It might not be really pretty, but you know, Sandro Schwarz is still trying to figure things out, especially in these sort of wide attacking Positions tried so many different players out there, and uh, it's been a good start for Hertha. I think Pal Dardai will be will be pretty happy. Okay, there's one more fixture on Saturday. I was up there in Dusseldorf in a a stadium we might quickly touch on. They they lost the game two 0 against Schalke, but uh, Manu, you've been there. It's quite a an interesting uh, exterior to this stadium. I don't want to be disrespectful, so could could you? Surmise it in a respectful way. <laughs> it looks like it's built at IKEA. <laughs> it, it, yeah, there's the obvious um, comparison to make, isn't it? It's quite a, a bizarre structure, isn't it? It's like a box. It looks like a container. Did you find the entrance okay? Because it took me about half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I had to go around the around to the, the car park at the back, but yeah. it looks like the, it looks actually it looks like the car parks at the at the airport, doesn't it? Basically? Yeah, a little bit. It's it's an odd one. Um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty. It's a good atmosphere inside. The Fortuna fans are quite good, but yeah, it's it's an odd looking facility. Yeah, inside it's very nice, and you know, the Schalke supporters just brought a massive amount of, uh, of of people there. They made so much noise, especially after they went two 0 up. Incredible atmosphere, and that, that's the great thing about so many of these these matches around uh, this part of Germany is it's just. That the away supporters don't have to travel very far mm. and they can bring a whole lot of them and certainly make a lot of noise. But Schalke, they've won three in a row now, Manu, without conceding a goal too in the Bundesliga and that late, uh, that late win in, uh, in the Champions League in Moscow. How much do we make of this, uh, three wins in a row to get them just out of the relegation zone? Well, it's crisis averted right before the national team break. I think, uh, I watched the game. Uh, the Schalke locomotive game uh, at the the screens uh, in the Signale Duna Park or Westfalen Stadion, Chris. They actually had it on, believe it or not. I know you had trouble in Gelsenkirchen watching a Dortmund game once. So, yeah, they actually did show the, 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 
the blue side um, of the report over in Dortmund. I thought, you know, three points, exactly what I said last week, it will be a tight affair against Loco. They got the three points, not all that matters. And I think that's really what Schalke need to do right now. They just need to haggle themselves from three points to three points and get themselves out of out of the hole. Yeah, it wasn't very pretty, but Wesley McKenney's in sensational yeah, form. He's really, he's really uh, on the way up. And uh, Bill Bentaleb, I touched on him in my piece after the game. Every time I see Schalke, he, he's easily one of their, their best players. Hugely important player and really has a high ceiling if he can you know, get a, a consistent run of, uh, of games under his belt. Okay, let's move over to Sunday. And a lot of these teams were involved in midweek fixtures. I'm not sure if we want to talk about the game too much. The first one on Sunday, which was Freiburg nil against Bayer Leverkusen nil. Really lack of intent from the visitors, I thought. Uh, Chris, do you just want to give your thoughts? Did you see any of this game? And, and what's your thoughts on Bayer Leverkusen? We should mention they did have a, a good win in the Europa League midweek. Yeah, and that's probably where they need to focus their attention on at the moment if they're looking for good things because I have the feeling that this particular performance was probably still related to the fact that they threw away, um, which was something that looked like an unassailable lead last weekend in the manner they threw it away. Um, and I don't quite think they're a side that has settled yet Um I think had they beaten Dortmund last week, I don't think we'll be looking at a nil-nil away at Freiburg at the moment. I think they're a, a team that's low on confidence and probably if someone was waiting for an international break, um, a little like a field Bayern will benefit from this two-week break. I think Bayer Leverkusen um, may take this opportunity to just you know, disconnect from the game, recharge their batteries and go back in because I mean, where are they now? 14th. Um, I think it's a disappointing result for them, especially after getting beat at home last week. So, yeah, I think if they want to, if they want to get back to it, they just need to look at how they performed in Europe midweek and how they can bring that sort of form into the Bundesliga and how they can get themselves back at the table. Because by rights with this squad, and I know Manu tongue in cheek said he, he expected them to be fighting for the title, but they should mm. be at the minute. They should be round about where um, Werder Bremen or Hertha are, which is fourth and fifth. They've certainly got the squad to do it. It's whether they've got the mindset to do it at the minute. And that's what the question is for me at the moment. It's that squad and that team's mindset. And um, I think that that comes from the coach because he's looked a little lost on the, on the sideline the last couple of times I've seen him. Um, almost, dare I say it, like Manu, like Peter Stoker did at times at Cologne and at Dortmund last season, just sat down um, and didn't really look, it just looked empty. And I've seen yeah. that a couple of times of instances of this, even though um, he's a guy that stands up on the side. Um, you know, Herlich looks like a man who's thinking, oh, what do I do next? And I think if you're a coach, um, that's not a particularly good good face to have when you've got TV cameras pointing at you. Yeah, I think that the fact that Stuttgart have fired the coach and um, snooping around Hasenhüttl, could spring Leverkusen into action as well. I just, just things I, I've heard and, uh, things that have been talked about, but, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised because it's also the comments that, that Fuller made, um, some pretty snippish comments after the match. Um, I think that could, that it's kind of like a domino falling, right? So, um, yeah, maybe keep an eye on that. Yeah, you have to think that confidence is an issue. You look yeah. at Leon Leon Bailey, for instance. Looks like he's uh, he's shot. Even even Julian Brandt today, when he came off off the bench, it's just not quite happening on a consistent basis. And really, one extreme to the other. You know, we got used to all these end to end goal fests, and today we had one shot on target, uh, and that was from from Freiburg. So. And we know they can do better, right? Because we saw it against uh, Lanaka midweek, and we even against Dortmund, they played well. Yeah, the approach today was just bizarre. I, I can't quite explain it. You know, the 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 intention must have been to keep things tight, but not for not to not to keep it to such an extent for the whole game. You know, maybe start off with that mindset and open up a bit, but it just wasn't happening. But um, we should mention, you know, Dragovic and Core pretty much in in the holding midfield position. There's not a whole lot of creativity yeah. there. Okay, let's move on. Freiburg, anything else than a relegation fight for you, Manu, this season? 
Yeah, sadly, I don't think it's going to be much more. If they, I think every season that Freiburg do not get relegated is a success for them. And, that, and you have to remember how small of a budget they have to compare to the rest of the league. So they do fantastic work down in Freiburg. Christian Streich is one of my favorite personalities in this league. So if they survive, I think, and they know this too, then that's been a success. I think a good season for Freiburg is finishing 15th every yeah. season and staying in the Bundesliga. Um, and I think that deep down, I think not their, their fans will accept that, but I think they will be okay with that because quite rightly, you know, beautiful stadium because of where it's set, but it is really small. It does need a load of investment. I know they're getting a new stadium, but the, the parameters in which they work on and work within yeah. for Freiburg to finish 15th in a Bundesliga that contains Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Gladbach, Bremen, Leverkusen, Schalke, Wolfsburg. I think that's an excellent result for them. And keep in mind, only 18 teams, right, in Germany, which makes it so much harder to survive for a smaller club. Um, I think it's it's a huge success every year, Freiburg in the Bundesliga. It's remarkable what they do. Yeah, I think we're starting to see the uh, the, the teams that might be fighting for relegation start to emerge after seven matches. Okay, let's move on to one of the other Sunday fixtures and talk about RB Leipzig. They absolutely hammered Nuremberg 6-0. They raced out to a to a very commanding uh, early lead with Campbell and Poulsen. Sabitzer Werner putting the ball into the net for a 4-0 half-time lead and Nuremberg just going from bad to worse. Although we have to say this could have been a lot worse for them on the score sheet. Chris, your thoughts after this uh, this demolition? Well, it's not looking rosy for Nuremberg, is it? Leaking seven goals um, against Dortmund and now six against Leipzig. Um, and I didn't see anything from them um, in the highlights that I saw. So I was covering the Liverpool-Manchester City game, which was on at exactly the same time as this. So I've seen the highlights. Um, and obviously, you don't get the true reflection. We'll watch the full 90 back this week to see exactly how Leipzig played. Um, but from everything I saw... Um, it's the way that they that they that they went forward and they just cut through them. I mean, you're looking at after seven minutes to be two goals up. You, you know, that's your day all day. And likewise for Nuremberg, if you're two goals down after seven minutes, you're instantly thinking, what time is this game over? Especially when you've been whipped seven yeah. nil um, not too long before that. Um, and yeah, it could have been more. Timo Werner obviously missed a penalty, and there's a header very close at the right at the end of the game. So. I think they were lucky um, that their 7-0 against Dortmund wasn't bettered by Leipzig. Um, but for Leipzig, wow, what what a response um, from a disappointing uh, maybe couple of weeks for them. I think they've answered themselves and probably answered their criti- their biggest critic, which is a coach, um, Ralph Ragnick. I think they've come out and certainly answered them today. Um, I thought it was really good to see Timo Werner playing at the top of his game. I think I've been a little bit critical of him lately. I don't think he's been taking his chances particularly well. But um, I think that fourth goal, the way the way he took it and the way he bent it around, that was a Timo Werner finish from from what I saw last season. Yeah, they looked Nuremberg looked really deflated, and it's really too bad because I saw them against Fortuna Düsseldorf last week, and I actually thought. Um, they they play really good football if and they just they just can't get that horsepower on the field and I think um, the really sad thing about this it kind of shows the gap that has opened up between the Bundesliga and Bundesliga two the top teams that come up from Bundesliga two unless they're one of the big sides like Hamburg and Köln or you know the year before Stuttgart um, and Hannover you know the same old kind of clubs then it's almost impossible for a new club to become established in this league. And uh, Unione Berlin, of course, they published a paper suggesting some changes that are quite interesting. And of course, they're bringing in some ideas like a salary cap that will never work. But um, one thing that they said is the average revenue of a bottom six club in the Bundesliga is on average 30 million higher than the six top clubs in Bundesliga too. So how is a club like Nuremberg even able, supposed to be able to survive in that first year? You basically have to try to survive that first year and then um, try to build, try to establish yourself. And that's very difficult. And in that match, and I watched the second half in full length, man, those players, 
they those Nuremberg guys they seemed so deflated. Their heads were hanging so low. Um, Brad Lowe, the keeper, after the sixth goal, was in, in literally in tears. And I think um, this is I'm not a, surprised he was in yeah. tears because I mean three of them were his fault. Yeah, of course. And I mean, but it's just that their quality isn't there, Chris, right? And they don't have the money to to sign the quality. And I think that is something to be said about maybe trying to get a little bit more parity in so that teams from the second Bundesliga can survive. I mean, one of the things that Union have suggested is stocking up the two divisions to 20 teams. We have the biggest country in Europe and we have the smallest league of all the top divisions. So, you know, it's food for thought. I mean, Nuremberg is, a, is, the, sec is the club in Germany with the second most German championships and yet they can't get a foot in the door in the Bundesliga again. Um, that's very sad. I think it is sad, but teams like that if you're back, if you're back in a Bundesliga for the first time in a long time, I think you've really got to focus on your home games, and that's certainly what they did last week yeah. um, against Dusseldorf. They were excellent. I, I think, I, not disregard your home games, but if you're going to go away to, you know, a top six, top seven side, I think you're going to be under the impression that you're going to get beaten. And if you come away with a point, it's a good day. I think the survival in the league comes from your home performances, and if Nuremberg can keep, um, it can keep their home games either picking up three points or when bigger teams come, maybe getting a point. I think they will be okay to be around maybe 13th or 14th this season. But if they all of a sudden fall away at home and away, well, then we could be looking at 18th. Yeah. It's not looking good, is it? You'd have to think that Hoffenheim, Leverkusen, Schalke will all finish the season above Nuremberg, which leaves them perilously close to the relegation situations. And... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Manu? You know, these two teams that came up this year are, are big, big clubs. But, yeah. um, you know, with, with your, your Leipzig and, and your Hoffenheim, um, and also we have to remember that we've got Köln and, and Hamburg and other big clubs in second division. So it's, it's, it's not looking good at all, I don't think, for the two promoted clubs this season. I've seen Dusseldorf twice. I haven't seen uh, Nuremberg yet, but I'm hoping to. Uh, soon enough. Let's give uh, Ragnik a little bit of love then. Manu, he seems to have figured this out. Four straight wins, pretty mm -hmm. comfortable victory in Norway in the Europa League. Looks like he, he, he's come along a, a pretty nice little formula here with with contributions coming from all over the pitch. Yeah, and he's rotating his side as well quite heavily. Um, we've, we've sort of worried about this squad depth and he seems to have sorted himself out and found a good balance and he's told some key players to get going. Um, Timo Werner is one of them. Augustan, although Augustan, I thought, looked a little bit like Bambi on ice today. He didn't select the right shoes. Uh, he was slipping all over the place. But yeah, he's he's definitely got um, the side going. And yeah, Leipzig are second in the league. Um, I don't think we would have said that three weeks ago. Um, we even thought about it. But yeah, they're the, they're, that 6-0 result means they're second in the league. And yes, it's still early goals, but I think Rangnick has found the right formula and considering, and I guess we'll talk about Hoffenheim next, but where Hoffenheim are right now, um, Nagelsmann will be looking at Leipzig and say, oh, I hope he's not leaving me too much of a legacy there. Yeah, for sure. Let, let, let's move on to that game now. The last one we'll talk about it was a 2-1 win to Eintracht on the road in Hoffenheim. Ante Rebic scoring a very nice opener. Luka Jovic making it 2-0. Rebic then getting himself set off a uh, really nice goal to Reese Nelson late on for Hoffenheim, but they couldn't quite find an equaliser. Chris, what's your thoughts on this game, and and what about Hoffenheim? Do we have much uh, much reason for concern with them picking up just seven points after seven games? I think what we could be seeing here is something that we saw last season, um, especially from Leipzig. It's the Champions League rhythm, which I think is going to really hurt Hoffenheim. They had a very tough game against Manchester City midweek. Um, in which you were there, weren't you, Matt? And uh, they, in all truth and honesty, they were unlucky to lose that game, but it'll have taken a lot out of them. And today, all of a sudden, um, you know, they're playing at home, um, against a strong side, Frankfurt. They're playing in the Europa League, who have played exceptionally well in the Europa League and played well last week. Um, they've come into Hoffenheim this week and, and taken all three points. And my only worry for Nagelsmann and, and Hoffenheim is this Champions League rhythm. Um, I think it was a problem for Leipzig last season. It was certainly a problem for Dortmund um, when they had their problems. It's this constant Monday, uh, sorry, it's this constant Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday rhythm. Um, and it's not playing, no disrespect to Eintracht Frankfurt or the size that they played in Europe. 
But when you're playing teams like um, Shakhtar Donetsk, um, Lyon, Manchester City, of that the calibre they are, and then you've got to go back into your league game and play a good side in Eintracht Frankfurt, something's got to give. And I think for the sides um, that are in Europe, that aren't used to playing in Europe, um, especially at this high level in a Champions League, I think it can take quite a bit of adaptation. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Hoffenheim join that club of teams or that group of teams who don't do particularly well well they played in Europe. Yeah. Manu, how much of the concern is this for you with Hoffenheim's last uh, three results, all defeats? Yeah, we saw something similar to them last year and then they really turned it on in the second half. But I, I'm with Chris. This is going to be a very tough run. And I'm glad you said uh, a good team like Frankfurt because, boy, have they turned it on. Um, that 4-1 followed with uh, last week against Hannover, followed by a 4-1 victory against Lazio. That Lazio are a good side, and yes, they were down two men, but you had to get them into that situation first, and then beating Hoffenheim 2-1. Um, yeah, that's a really remarkable run of results, and I, I think that Frankfurt, that the things are really coming together, and Hütter's style is slowly showing through. So I, I'm really impressed by them, and impressed by them to get that result against Hoffenheim. And I think with Hoffenheim, we're really only, only going to see the the real Hoffenheim, when they have either dropped down to the Europa League or completely dropped out of Europe. Yeah, what about you, Chris? Uh, Manu and I have been very impressed with, with Frankfurt. What have you made of them and how impressed have you been with these last three results, scoring a lot of goals? Yeah, I've been particularly impressed with them, um, especially midweek in the European game. I covered that game. I thought they were excellent. Um, I think they've now... Look to be clicking um, under the head coach, and I've really got a lot of time for them. And, and it's just the brand and the style of football they played. I mean, midweek it was exceptional. The intensity they played—you know—they blew an Italian team out of the water, um, and and that's what we like to see. And yes, they went and had a fantastic game against Hanover, but this this particular game, I thought they showed a lot of patience. Um, and I thought they were very clever in their game management which is another sign that a team are growing. Um, and, yeah, I've got a lot of time for them. I will be interested to see where they finish come the end of the season because when you play in Europe, um, you, you go one or two ways. You either adapt to it very well or you do a little bit like what Hoffenheim have done and what Leipzig did last season. So Frankfurt look like um, they could be adapting to this Sunday-Thursday rhythm Um and obviously under Adi Hutter, he, he's got them playing very well. I think mm. their shape adds to it. I think the 3-5-2 that they play, and that's obviously that's a flat one with a flat midfield. I think that suits them exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, and I think they work really hard out of possession, um, especially they did um, in the midweek game. But they've got some players who they can rely on, like um, Rebic and um, jo- Luka Jovic, who I think if we're going to look at top two strikers as a pairing I think Frankfurt may have the best pairing um, up front at the moment and and that's that's going to be something to keep an eye on spoke today about teams that who are glad an international break coming I think Eintracht Frankfurt are one side who will be disappointed that this two-week break's coming because they seem to be in a, a fantastic vein of form and when you're in that vein of form the last thing you want is not to play for two weeks yeah and they're playing uh, the Limassol the Cypriotic side two times in a row now in Europe and if they win those two games, they're through. They can wrap up their group in four games. And that's exactly what they need. <laughs> it's <and> impressive. <laughs> yeah, it is because of the gap they've not been in. And this is a team that's not just adapting to the Europa League. It's adapting to being back in Europe after you know yeah. so many years. I think that Pokal victory that we witnessed in May, I think, has propelled them into this season. And I think they've taken a lot of heart from that. Um, and okay, we had the early disappointment against um, Bayern where they were whipped in a Super Cup, mm. but at the end of the day, it's a friendly match. It doesn't matter. This is where it matters now. And come the business part of the season, um, Eintracht Frankfurt looked like they're on fire and kicking into full gear. I wouldn't be expected. I wouldn't be, um, I, w- I wouldn't think that they're going to be where they are for long. Where are they seventh? Um, yeah. If they can continue this form, they should be knocking on the door of a Champions League qualification spot. Um, it's whether they can keep the intensity up until the end of the season, but it's certainly looking good for their money at the minute. Yeah, fantastic stuff. I mean, individually, you mentioned Jovic and Rebic. We did, haven't even talked about Hala yet. Uh, yeah, I can see them go a long way. Yeah, Hala is sensational. Every time you watch him, he's just got 
class. You know, Rebic is, is improving phenomenally. And I think even Luka Jovic might be underrated yeah. still. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hugely impressed with him, but I think he still flies under the radar despite having all the skills and showing it on on a regular basis here. But, yeah, plenty to be uh, happy about with, with Eintracht Frankfurt. A little bit to worry about with Hoffenheim. Okay, let's wrap this up then and uh, just tell everyone what's happening. Mona, you've had your nice little... Uh, holiday out here drinking beer and watching football is it back to real life soon enough yeah actually i'm taking a real holiday next week because it's um nations league uh, it's not much going on we'll have the germany preview and uh ukraine russia previews for the uefa nations league and um, some other ones but i'm spending a week in paris with my wife and then i'm heading back to real life in canada um for at least a couple months before i'm coming back out here so yeah uh, i guess um, everyone enjoy the UEFA Nations League break. It couldn't come at the worst time. <laughs> exactly. It's a time to let out a huge sigh of relief. Chris, what are you getting up to in the next couple of weeks of relative peace and quiet? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to be lost without club football. Yeah. Um, I always am lost without club football, mainly because that's all I write on. Um, so I don't know. My garden probably could do with a, a bit of tending before the winter kicks in. Um, no, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm going to say take it easy because once this international break's finished, um, I've got Champions League and Bundesliga games to be flying to. Um, so, yeah, it's going to get busy for me. So I'm going to enjoy the next couple of weeks um, with my feet up. Fantastic stuff. Well, I'm going to be tuned into the Portugal under-21 uh, side. They've got a couple of really important games coming up to see whether they can qualify for the European Championships in Italy in the summer. So I'll be tuned into that. And yeah, trying to catch up on all the, uh, all the odds and ends that are the building up with so much non-stop football action, especially with this Champions League and Europa League stuff. Just awesome, awesome football, but yeah, it can get a bit challenging trying to keep up with it all. We hope you enjoyed the Gagan Pressing podcast for this week. Have a great couple of weeks. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.